Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for one of our very extra special midweek podcasts. And uh, we've got a, a cool guest. I can't say he's the coolest guest. And the reason why is, uh, Peyton, he just had you come out and speak at a conference and I didn't even get a, a, a mention. I didn't even get an invite to it, let alone, you know, speaking he, on he it. He actually so. put it in there, uh, would you be open to speak? Uh as long as you don't bring Pete. That was <laughs> yeah, actually... I was going to say, I didn't know if that was his requirement or yours. Um, I'll come speak as long as Pete isn't allowed to be on site. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah, so we, we have my brother from another mother. We got the uh, Colorado Peyton. I met the Asian Peyton the other day. He's a guy named Victor. He's a pastor multiplication guy in Anaheim. He's known as the Asian Peyton now. But this is the Colorado Peyton, or maybe I'm the Californian Alan Briggs. So our guest today is multiplication pastor, future author. He's got a, a couple books that are going to be coming out soon, and he is a friend and a brother that I respect. Alan Briggs, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to great to hang with you guys. Uh, yearning for a little a little California beach today, I'll be honest. But coming <laughs> in from about five degrees here in Colorado. Yeah, and the cold hits the bald men. Just so you guys can't picture him, but he's uh, a a formerly blonde man, uh, now bald, but apparently he grows a red beard. So, um, Alan is uh, he's he's wearing a hat to cover it up, man. I can see it on our <laughs> Google Hangout. Picture picture just a little bit better looking Peyton, says my wife. But that's, <laughs> that's just what I, you know. I actually have to agree with you. You're much sexier <laughs> than me. 
But uh, you did ask me to come to Colorado and speak on, you know, keeping it sexy or bringing sexy to church planning. So that's right. Peyton, Peyton did a great job bringing sexy back, and uh, nobody showed up to hear the talk. But um, there was a lot of yeah. they were intimidated. They saw my picture and they're like, "Whoa, that's way too much sexy for me. <laughs> I'm too sexy for this conference. Too sexy for this talk." So do, 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 do. That's where that ends. All right, man. So, Hey, we want to have you on here just to, uh, hear your heart, man. Cause I, you and I, we, we had, uh, Yimmy on here and we, uh, we probably butchered his name, but we had him on, uh, the wild goose. We actually and, had him on uh, jump you school. And I had sat there. He What's was, that? He was on jump school. He wasn't on, uh, uh, church planner podcast. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was on jump school. That was a shameless plug. Oh, you didn't hear it. I joined jump school. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so we uh, interviewed him, um, talking a little bit about his story and how he was uh, a Bible guy and what he's done creatively to to work around what he feels God called him to do. And you and I sat out that night. You sat in a t-shirt, man, and I was freezing with my jacket on. But uh, you were just sharing some of your stuff, and there's some phrases that you're kind of, I associate with you now, like staying as the new going, things like that. I want you to share like kind of how you got into this whole church planting thing and some of your heart, man. Cause I, you know, I, I benefited from talking to you. Yeah. Well, it's great to, great to have you out, man. We love the relational network that we think is, is really forming around the country. But uh, really, to be honest, a lot of our heart rests right here in the front range of Colorado. And so a uh, very influential area, the mountain West here. And um, it was about five years ago, my heart really started to break for, um, this phrase that I kept hearing, church planters graveyard. And I'm sure that's, you know, said in other places and whatnot. But it really just kind of, um, it made me curious, kind of shifted my heart a bit. And it led to almost a year of just sitting down with church planters. Uh, some of them in process, some of them their church had folded, some of them had left the region, some of them had stayed, and just wanted to say, what's missing here in the process? And, uh, Really out of that, we saw frontline church planting birthed, and um, we have a residency. We also have a, a network, just a gathering of guys and gals. We call it missional and apostolic misfits. So it's a freaks like me club, and um, if, if people care to join the mission of God and take risks right here, um, then folks are welcome to jump in. And so that's been a blast. Uh, that's been kind of a sprint for the last uh, four and a half years, really gathering folks together for that. And, uh, we really are seeing a bit of an arts revolution here. We're seeing a bit of um, Christians leading the way in both business, mission, ministry, um, in their families, in their neighborhoods. And, uh, man, it's an exciting time out here. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your um, your internship program because I, I had the benefit of meeting the couple guys you got there. Vinny was impressive. We're going to have him on at some point. I want to uh, interview him and and talk to him about you know kind of like the uh, secret confessions of a church planning intern. But, actually, uh, actually, Peyton, before we get to that, um, let's have Alan tell us his story of uh, coming to faith. We always like to include that in these interviews. So if we can, um, Alan, why don't you just give us a couple minutes and tell us about your story of coming to faith? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think is is the case with many kind of the multiple conversions of heart and um, especially of ministry. What does it look like to live out the ministry that we do today? And obviously long, long stories um, in there, but grew up in a very much a home where I saw 
the openness of the gospel um, to the outsider. And so grateful for that. I think a lot of what goes on in our house uh, today as a missional community uh, saying there's room at the table, there's room for misfits. Um, we often have, you know, we've had 40 and 50 people before for Easter dinners and, and places where my home is open, I directly attribute to sort of an accidental missional community uh, of a home that I grew up in. People were always welcome. There was always good food. And so um, I say that I experienced that at a young, a very young age. Uh, that was normal to me, that anyone was welcome all the time uh, in, my, in my home. We served a ton of food. People were always, um, seemed to be kind of gathering and creeping around our home in the best of sense. Um, but as I, as I came out here to Colorado really after Bible college, I remember thinking through the lens of what would it look like to stay and commit to a place. And I remember um, as I was thinking about committing to a place, sure enough, I headed out and spent some time down in Antarctica. And um, kind of a crazy place to experience God literally at the ends of the earth. Um, but that's when I truly saw the need deeply for grace in a world that was running hard after itself. And um, I saw people tripping up in lives of alcoholism and affairs. And um, I've never felt humanly so lonely before. And yet I've never felt so connected to the Father before. And so that was a huge moment for me to say this world needs God. And there are dark corners of my heart that uh, I really have never allowed open to to the Lord and uh, really that kind of recovering Pharisee is what I call myself. And so um, I'm in, I'm in that club every day fighting off the disease of uh, Phariseeism and judgmentalism. And um, that was a beautiful moment for me um, to, to be able to conduct funerals down there, to be able to um, share my faith in a way that I had never really experienced uh, as one of maybe just a few, maybe two or three Christians um, at the ends of the earth, and people badly wanted to know what was different about me. So that was both a big moment for me and a big moment in ministry to say, man, the world needs the church. The church is a, a spot of hope that is deeply missing, and it certainly was in that little village in Antarctica in the middle of nowhere. That's amazing, dude. That's absolutely amazing. You know, I've always found that it's good to give in to the dark side, give in to your hatred and anger and judgment. and Because uh, you don't know the power, Alan, of the dark side. It's it's pretty strong. If you would join me together, we could rule uh, Christendom as, uh, not father and son, but maybe Sounds just good cousins. Me. I'm in. What's that? Let's, let's pray and hang up, I guess. Let's All right. Hey, so, again. guys, the broadcast is over now. We're going to <laughs> completely shift tax in our life and ministry. And uh, we're going to judge all. And uh, as we preside over them, eventually we will, you will be assimilated. I hate to quote Star Trek. But anyways, um, that's awesome, man. That is, that is mind-blowing. And uh, hey, let's get back to your, um, your internship because I love your heart for Colorado. We sat there. Um, we, we sat downtown. And your heart just, you burst for that community. And so you are. You're, you're calling. You're kind of sucking people in going, Come to Colorado and we will, I mean, I love your heart for Colorado. Maybe you want to talk about that and how the internship program functions, you know, how it, how it works into your heart, how it's an outflow of, of your vision. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. As, as we talked about a residency out here, what's interesting is we get a lot of planters that'll come from the South and um, 
they will, you know, assume if, if we can hang 6,000 door hangers, we'll have 300 people on Sunday. And um, they just don't realize the, the cultural barriers that they're crossing, um, largely like what you experienced, Peyton. Uh, just kind of the spirit of the West, um, kind of individualism, the frontier kind of mentality. And so as we started to see this gap, many of them were actually attending residencies um, for, you know, six months, a year, two years. And coming out here, and they just couldn't make the cultural contextual jump. And so that was a huge piece that we focused on. And so really we have three components, the relational, the experiential, and the formal piece. And what we find is that the formal is the easiest to find. Sometimes guys are reading books. Sometimes guys are reading too many books on church planting mm -hmm. and trying to do it, you know, 37 different ways from the five most influential church planters in the last six years, you know, and, and there's just this confusion about it, but most people don't understand context when they come. And so we knew that context would be a huge piece of what we teach as we go. And then secondly, people didn't have a network. Parachute church planters were, were coming. They were planting like a day after they got here and there wasn't time for them to slow down and understand the context. And so um, we actually simultaneously launched a residency and a network together um, that was, again, welcome to anyone who wants to join the mission of God and take risks to reach the lost. And so whether somebody be a missions pastor, we have a guy in there who's 72, and he said, I want to reach my neighborhood, and mm -hmm. I want to learn how to reach people. I think I've missed it my whole life in the church. And so um, we have 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds that will jump in and say, I think I'm heading toward ministry, but I don't know what I'm doing. And so we have kind of this beautiful mess of people around us. And um, the residency, again, largely focuses on relational and experiential learning. And so we, we actually place people in local churches to be able to, um, you know, live out what, what it looks like within this structure, this framework, an existing church, a young church plant. They choose where they want to fit, and then they drop a learning contract uh, and that's really the majority of what they do uh, as well. And then what we found is we had set out to train church planters, and church planters said, hey, I want you to help me train my whole team. And uh, that was kind of a paradigm shift for us. So our experiential learning, actually, we do 20 to 25 people a year in an experiential 10-month uh, learning track where we'll actually, we say from kingdom to commissioning, we start with the kingdom of God and Jesus coming on the scene. We follow through his ministry uh, ecclesiology, missionary practices, and then we end with a commissioning time for everyday ordinary missionaries who want to join the mission of God. And so um, everything we do is open to those who might head into formal ministry and those who likely will never head into formal ministry, but will run cafes, will create cultural spaces, will start nonprofits, uh, and will be amazing team members for church plants as well. So that's kind of a, what we do in a nutshell. So your idea of outreach, really, a lot of it has to do with community infiltration. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the, the phrase you had mentioned before, Peyton, staying is the new going. We use this a lot and um, kind of wrote, wrote a bit of an article on that, one of those dis days when you're discouraged that more people aren't staying in your area. And uh, many people were moving on quickly, uh, quickly found that that really hit a heartstring for many people. And so... We ask people to come and make a commitment to our city, and so, um, or to this region, or to the city that they're called to, wherever God is is taking them next on their adventure. And um, we're we're trying to get over that two-year push 
And if this church plant makes it, great. Otherwise, I'm out of here um, to the next assignment. So I sit down for coffee with guys and pretty quickly, about five minutes in, say, hey, if this church plant doesn't make it, are you going to stay? And uh, many of them talk about that as kind of a defining moment. They'd never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. To us, we say, we just want to know who we're going to be doing missions with here for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And uh, to many, we've said, would you make a 15-year commitment to our city um, to know that slow growth is often the way that things happen? And um, just to kind of be in it for the long haul, we say that we want people to pay a spiritual mortgage instead of sp- paying spiritual rent. Right here in the city. We think that's a paradigm shift for guys who largely are focused on making this thing work in two or three years before the funding dries up. Um, So we're looking for for guys to stay. I totally dig it, man, because you're you're in a really unique um, area. I mean, you're in Colorado Springs, and it's kind of like the tale of two cities. If I'm not mistaken now, I was only there for like, what, two days Mm-hmm. And, you know, never been there before. A unique place, really unique. Um, it's got a lot of history there. Um, you know, it's got the gorgeous mountains there. It's got a, a, commu- a downtown, which is kind of like being rebirthed largely by the, the, the missional Christian community. Mm-hmm. Because the established Christian, I mean, I didn't realize till I got there that this is where folks on the family was based. This is where um, Ted Haggard was. This is where, you know, I mean, there is a huge, there's so many ministries, publishing houses, David C. Cook, my Little publisher was there. Sure. Everybody's there. And so there's this Christian subculture. And it, in many ways, there's an attitude from the community there towards a Christian community. And you guys have had to overcome that. And so you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. I think from the outside, um, we are uh, not pagan enough, maybe. Um, And so I certainly don't think we're a sexy place to come to. I think it's a beautiful place, but um, often folks will feel it's too big of a cultural jump to head to for them to head to Denver um, and certainly for them to head to Boulder. And uh, I'm very sympathetic to that. My wife and I really were we say we were living in Colorado Springs, but we hadn't made it home. So we thought we were supposed to plant in Boulder and Boulder's kind of little Seattle, kind of the forbidden fruit around here. And um, and really it took us praying over Boulder for six to seven months and then walking the ground, uh, really sensing no call there to drive back down the highway and say, this is home. When, when my heart began to weep over this city as Jesus wept over Jerusalem and, uh, and sort of the complex issues there. And so it does take a while to kind of see the issues. There's an undercurrent, certainly, uh, of Christian ministries and whatnot. But what we find is most people see this as a trampoline to the world. And yeah. so we have a lot of global Christians living here who do not know their neighbors, who couldn't tell you one Christian they have an ongoing or one non-Christian they have an ongoing meaningful relationship with. And uh, we feel like it's really left our city hollow. And so yeah. you bite into that rabbit. Um, to find out that the chocolate rabbit has a very thin shell and are very disappointed in that sense to say, look around, who loves this place, who loves this city? And so we do talk a lot about a theology of place because we believe God is at work here. We believe there's, there's incredible local undercurrent going on, but we do have to fight off that perception, certainly of our city from the outside. And um, kind of when we looked at the numbers, we find that church attendance is average, um, for the whole country here, we have lots of Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses mm. as well. And um, 
those are things that took me several years to kind of see below the surface and say, man, um, there are not many people that believe in the local and regional activity of God right here. Um, and so, yeah, people have to overcome stuff everywhere. Our issues are no harder than anybody else's, but they're just unique to this place. Um, so certainly God's up to some cool stuff. Uh, like you say, kind of the missional Christian community that is getting into the pubs and getting into the breweries, getting into the coffee houses and the business owner community um, that's rising up. And, uh, and certainly as the church, the church is a major part of this arts rebirth that's happening here in our city. One of the really cool things when we were sitting around that night talking that you said to me, which really struck me, and I even confess to you, you know, I'm really guilty of that, was you had mentioned about, you know, through your journey, like obviously to you and I, church planners are our heroes. But you said something that really struck me. You said, you know, we are guilty of making church planners, you know, really the heroes. We, we, we make them almost like the end all be all. And that that is counterproductive to what we're trying to do. And the, the reason is, and I'm, I'm going to leave that open for you, um, because what you said, it really hit me. And I, I, had to, I had to step back and take a look at that. Yeah, we, uh, we talk a lot about creating an ecosystem for the local church and for missional activity here. And um, what we found is that accidentally, when we put the church planter up on a pedestal, um, church planters listening, you are amazing. I am your biggest fan. <laughs> Peyton and I love you. Please hear that in our language. Uh, but as I began to say that more and more, church planters are the hero, we began to see more folks who are maybe solid business owners who love Jesus a lot. Starting to see more folks who are better suited to be not only in the business world, but perhaps to lead part of the team, and they wouldn't be the lead church planter. And so we were starting to accidentally alienate those folks and simply create a tribe of church planters around us instead of a tribe of people who wanted to deeply bring the gospel to the places they're at right here in Colorado. And so we had to just rethink our language a bit and um, begin to talk about a whole ecosystem that is needed to see the gospel thrive um, mm -hmm. from the business owner to the church plant team member to the prayer warrior and um, to the older ladies that care deeply to see people come uh, and experience the true God. And so um, that's kind of a journey that we took and I, I would say are still on to be able to say to guys, if you're not wired as a lead church guy, church planter, it's okay. And there are some church revitalization projects that are going on um, that are incredibly, incredibly successful. Yeah. Um, there's just amazing things that we don't want to miss because we accidentally say to people, you're either a church planter or nothing. Uh, and so that's been a big kind of moment for us, seeing some, some catalysts in different areas um, be able to, to receive the freedom to live it out exactly as they are wired. And um, I don't know, that freedom has really helped to create what we see as an ecosystem kind of yeah. on the rise uh, here. So, yeah, it's, a, it's very diverse, and um, our training systems had to adapt too, Peyton. That was a big, a big thing. If we only say we're going to train church planters, then we're missing 60 to 70%, I believe, of the people who are really going to make a difference right mm -hmm. here. Absolutely. And that's what you guys are seeing on the ground is you guys are very much for infiltrating that community. And you can't just lead on the very small percentage of church planners. And I love that that was something you had to recalibrate. I'm, I'm going through, I'm starting that journey now because when you said that it was like a bullet to the brain 
from the Holy Spirit just going, hey, you're, you're doing this and you're not meaning to, but that's what you're doing. And, sure. and, you know, and kind of just, one more group of people that we noticed, existing churches that have a heart to plant churches. Yeah. Um, we don't spend calculated time and energy and effort, say, sharing at a missions conference about local yeah. missions. Like I was able to do two weeks ago to, to a more traditional church, but a larger church. If we can spend time in the trenches there, then a lot of their missions funding, a lot of their missions effort can be redirected toward local and regional missions, not just in their giving, but in their time and getting to know their neighbors. Many of them have a heart for the world, but have never yeah. been taught how to have a heart here. And so we want established churches to, to be in the church planting game. We say, come on in. Come on off the bench. We'd love to have you um, be part of the team of what God is building here. Amen. Well, man, it has been awesome to see you again. Um, if you guys want, if you're in the Colorado area, definitely check out uh, the Multiply Conference that rolls around. They have really sexy speakers that appear there, <laughs> um, including Alan. And, and they, uh, they avoid inviting certain other people, which is always a plus at any conference. Some people are too sexy to ever even make an appearance there, like Pete Mitchell. But uh, anyways, <laughs> guys, um, thanks for tuning in. Alan, if they want to connect with you, because you write a really fantastic blog, where can they connect with you? Yeah, frontlinechurchplanting.com would be the place to start. And um, kind of, you know, we parachute off of that to kind of some different sites and whatnot. Um, and do some kind of guest blogging occasionally love writing for a church planter and and others but that would be the place to start to kind of get the temperature of what God is doing here uh, but like Peyton said if you're ever in Colorado we love doing vision tours um, and if you buy me a cup of coffee I will gladly spend more than a few hours with you as well kind of telling you about our city and, <laughs> and what God is, is up to here so yeah definitely an honor to, to be here with you guys love love what you guys are doing and again church planters you guys are amazing. Press on. Keep it up. Just just keep pounding hard ground. All right. Well, you guys are going to hear more from Alan in future. He is definitely an influencer, and you will hear more from him when his books come out. We'll have him back on at that time. But connect with him as much as you can and consider maybe going and training with him. So thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. I hey, love you guys. Yep. Absolutely, man. Back at you. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.